Hello, people. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Carson's Carson Reads. Um, I don't... I feel like I need some intro music or something like that. Don't, don't know how or where to get that. So uh, this is just my little intro. Um, this is the first episode ever of my podcast. <laughs> um, and so I just want to like before okay so the channel is called Carson Reads I just want to like document the books that I'm reading and my review of them how I like them um and hopefully I don't know I like am making this podcast for a couple reasons number one I like to read and when I finish a book I want to talk to people about it but I don't, I don't like have like a like a bookworm friend I don't have one person to go to to just like chat their ear off about the books and when i do find somebody that like has read a book that i've read or um i don't know like is a reader it's like there's so much else to chat about like are we really going to talk about books right now um another reason is okay there's this quote by francis bacon okay he says writing makes an exact man um and i just think that we have like a lot of thoughts we meaning like everybody has like a lot of thoughts that just swirl and stay in our mind but I think this podcast is like a good opportunity to sort those things out and put it into writing. Um, and I think I'll learn a lot from this. This is this is honestly more for my benefit than yours. These books I know for a fact. I'll remember the books that I read better. And um, I don't know. I think it's it's also like a journal for me to remember what I was thinking while I was reading and what books I've read. So there's like a lot of pros. Um, there are some cons. The cons are that it takes time, I have no idea what I'm doing, and it's kind of cringy. Like, now I'll be that guy with a podcast. Not only am I that guy with a podcast, I also work at a solar company, and I might be studying finance in college. So I'm basically, like if you were to look at the stereotypes of all of these things, I'm the worst person that you'll ever meet. Um, and I didn't imagine my life looking like this, but here we are anyway. Um... Okay, I'm also going to stop saying, um, but <laughs> not only am I the guy with podcasts, but I am the guy with podcasts about books. So I don't know how much I like vocalize to like random people that I know that I have this podcast. I'm just going to like let it simmer, do its thing. If people listen and tune in, then that's awesome. If they don't, that's also okay. I just had the thought to do this and... I just am going to start doing more of the things that I think about instead of just never doing them. Um, another um. But I have seen, like, book review YouTubers. I was I was in the scene for a little bit. Um, and, <laughs> and most of them are women. And most of them are also professors. I've seen book talk, like, book TikTok. And I think me being, like, a straight white male happens to be the thing that makes me stand out so maybe this is like my little niche i've been looking up because i honestly don't know how i'm going to publish this podcast or make this somehow appear on apple Podcasts or spotify so i've been googling like how to make a podcast and like find your niche so maybe me being a regular schmegular 22 year old white male who read who just happens to read books is the thing that makes me find my niche i don't know we'll see and another reason that I'm starting this is that I've had a lot of people tell me that I need to, like, do something like this. 
Morgan Lyman, if you're listening to this, she's actually the one that gave me the idea about the podcast. I don't know. I had never thought of it before. Um, Laurie Cole, if you're listening to this, actually the majority of like the Cole Pulsifer clan, if you're listening to this, they think that I should actually write a book because once upon a time I wrote a couple funny emails, but I think that this podcast will work for now. Also, Ella Kime has always hyped up my voice recordings. So it's just been a culmination of a lot of supportive people that have led me to do this cringy thing. So shout out to you all. Um... I am obviously not in the YouTube scene anymore. I think I lasted about two or three videos and I just like freeze in front of the camera when I can see myself. I hated it. And um, yeah, just editing videos, not in my forte either. I don't know what I'm doing there. I know probably less about video editing than I do about voice recording and podcasts. So even though the, the rep of being a YouTuber is a little bit better, but not by much, than being a podcaster, that life just isn't for me. So we're going to try this out. Uh, <laughs> stop trying to say um so much. That maybe this will also help me be like a better public speaker. So yes, I'm like now so conscious of when there are like spaces in my mind. I'm not going to fill them with um. And this is also, this podcast thing also happens to be on my resolutions list. So I have a couple resolutions. Number one, I'm going to learn how to play the piano. Not super well. I just want to play Take Me Out to the Ball Game by the end of the year. Number two, I'm going to try to read 40 books next year. This year, I think this book that I'm going to be talking about today, Ethan Frome, is book number 36. So I'm trying to just up it just a little bit. My goal coming into this year was 50, but with being full-time student, working full-time as well, it just simply did not work. Um, and so, yeah, this is a way that you can hold me accountable. I also have other, other resolutions. Like I'm not going to eat not a single Oreo. If you know me, you know, that's kind of a vice of mine is I just love Oreos a little bit. And yeah, so now you all know that this is one of my resolutions. So if you see them slacking, say, Hey, get back on your podcast grind podcast guy guy with a podcast and I will and on top of this before I like dive into how I think these podcasts are gonna look yesterday or the day before I can't even remember I was listening to this Kanye West song it's called off the grid <laughs> on his Donda album and in it he goes if you got a voice then you gotta project it and I don't know why but it felt like that was the first time I ever heard that line and it just like hit, you know? I don't know how much of a voice I have or how much of an audience I have, but this is something that I do and I enjoy reading. And so I'm just going to project, project the voice that I do have. Okay. In terms of layout, here's what I'm thinking. And if it's a terrible idea, you just let me know and I can change it, make it flow a little better. But I think, um, <laughs> each podcast will be as long as necessary, but as short as possible maybe around 15 minutes. I really don't know. I can't gauge how much like I have to talk about a book. I think that this one will already be a little bit longer. I'm at how many minutes already? I'm at like eight. I could just like chat. I could just run my, run everybody's ear off for as long as needed. So I'm going to try to keep it brief to the point. Um, and I was thinking that I'd start with a spoilerless summary so that if people who haven't read the book still want to listen to these, they totally can. Uh, 
I will announce when the spoilers will begin so it doesn't like ruin the experience for everybody. I remember there was a there's a book in particular, I won't tell you which one it was, but one of my mission companions spoiled it for me, and that was probably three years ago. No, two and a half. But I still remember vividly exactly what happens at the end of that book, and it makes me want to read it less. So I'm not I'm not gonna do that to you all. So um after that spoilerless summary, and I'll announce when like the spoilers are coming in, uh, I will give you a full summary and review and let you all know what I think about it. And then I think that'll be a wrap. I don't know if anything else is needed. There was also like, I was thinking of doing like this little segment about like a couple vocab words <laughs> that stuck out to me. Cause I mark those in my books. If I don't know what a word means, I mark them. So when I was going back through this one, they just stood out to me. So maybe I'll, we'll expand our vocabulary together. Maybe. Also, I am not very particular about the books that I read. When somebody asks me what kind of books I like to read, I always just say good books. Like, I enjoy reading good books. Something compelling. Something real. Uh, it doesn't really matter the genre or style. I just like to read. The one thing, though, that I cannot stand is cheese. I cannot stomach a cheesy book. Whatever that means. I know the word cheesy is, like, subjective and I can't really describe exactly what books belong in that category but i can tell you that i won't be reading any colleen hoover books anytime soon unless you think i should i just get cheese vibes from them so i've never i've never even given them a chance i just see like snippets screenshots on twitter or on instagram and i'm like i don't know just get cheese vibes you see what i'm saying but if you're following along with this podcast expect a full a full assortment, a full array of different genres of books. So, now that that's over, now that the little intro's over, I'm already 10 minutes into this, I'm also just going to do this all in one take. So, if it's so bad, if I say, um, 50, 100 million times, like, I'm not professing to be, <laughs> I'm not professing to be a professional podcaster, and I'm also not a professional book reviewer, so if I miss a part or a detail or like something that is crucial in your eyes about this book that we're reading. All I can say is sorry, but this is just kind of what stood out to me, what I think of it. And if you want to like reach out and text me and get some book discourse going in our text messages or DMs, like I'd love that as well. And we can talk about all the crucial parts you think I missed. Anyway, I just finished... Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton today. Today's Christmas of 2022. I don't know how long it will be before this podcast is up. Like, I really, I just don't know. We're just going into this blind. I'm sure I'll figure it out as we get going, but I think that's the key is we just have to get going. So, um, I don't know if I'll have to like submit it and people will review it. And I literally, I don't know. But today is December 25th, 2022. My entire family is taking Christmas naps right now, and I am in my car, <laughs> in my car doing a book review podcast. Yes, sir. So, Ethan Frome. Ethan Frome, the story basically goes like this. He, Ethan Frome is the main character, obviously. He lives in a small town. It's called Starkfield. 
It's winter time. Um, <laughs> I'll read you the first paragraph because I feel like it's pretty, and I think it does a good job of showing you Miss Wharton's writing style. Oh, this is the this is the spoilerless spoilerless summary. By the way, so yeah, nothing too crazy going on yet. But um, I always want to say that he lives in Bedford, but that's only because Bedford Falls is where It's a Wonderful Life takes place, and we watched that yesterday as a family on Christmas Eve. But it's called Starkfield. But I do think that both of these places, um, no, I mean both of the stories take place in the similar in a similar area. I think New England. Anyway, here's that first paragraph. Sorry if my... I'm going to read it straight from the book. And sometimes my reading out loud voice is a little weird. But it says... Let me turn on the light. <laughs> uh, it says, The village lay under two feet of snow, which with drifts at the windy corners. In a sky of iron, the points of the dipper hung like icicles, and Orion flashed his cold fires. The moon had set, but the night was so transparent that the white, the white house fronts between the elms looked gray against the snow. Clumps of bushes made black stains on it, and the basement windows of the church sent shafts of yellow light far across the endless undulations. Again, it's just better if you read it in your own mind. <laughs> but yeah, it just basically sets up. It's in a small little town in the winter, and here we have Ethan Fromm. And this story was written in 1911 by our girly boss, Edith Wharton. And I think it takes place around that time as well. It might take place in like the late, um, like 1890, I don't know. But how different is like 1890 to 1910, you know? And the book is less than 200 pages. It's actually, if you want to know the exact number, it's 181. And if it was written, if you look at, if you look at the book, it has extra wide margins. If it was just written with regular size margins, it would be even shorter. So it's super, super quick read. And um, it starts out, Ethan from, as a person, he's kind of like a mystery. He's a mysterious guy. He has a limp. And in the first chapter, there's a bystander who's like, who happened? What? <laughs> what happened to this guy? And the person next to him is like, he walks like that because of the smash up. They call it the smash up. And the guy says, okay, what's the smash up? That's weird. What does that mean? And then boom, chapter ends. Conveniently, the next chapter or... Maybe it's not the end of the first chapter. But the guy who's asking what the smash-up is gets a ride from Ethan to another part of town. And in that, somewhere in that um, car ride, the book, like, shifts. Not car. They didn't have cars back then. Like, buggy, horse, carriage. <laughs> I don't know. But they're in, they're in there together. And it, like, shifts. Maybe they did have cars back then. Wait, is this so stupid? No, I think, I think it was a horse. It was a horse-drawn carriage, I think. Yes. You want to know how I know that? Keep this in mind. It's a vocab word at the end. Anyway. They might have still had cars back then. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't even matter. The, the storyline like shifts to a flashback from, from Ethan. And this flashback lasts till the end of the story. And to still summarize with no spoilers, Ethan... In this flashback now, he's married to his cousin named Zenobia. They call her Zena. She is seven years older than him. He's 28. She's 35. She's also his cousin. 
Was this normal for the time? I don't know. Did they have cars back then? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> but they've been married for seven years, and the love is running dry. Did they ever love each other to begin with? I don't think so, but they're married, and they have been for seven years somehow. And they're poor. He works on a farm to make ends meet, and she has been sick for a super long time. I can't remember what it's called when people just, like, think that they're sick all the time. <laughs> At this point, I would, I would usually say, like, leave me a comment in my YouTube video. I don't know. But I can't remember what it's called. But that's basically what she is. She just, like, thinks that she's so sick and that she can't help. And she does nothing except, like, lay, lay around all day. Or just, like, sit in her chair. And um, there is just, like, a lot of resentment that is building up between the both of them. Then enter a new character. There's... Okay, so we have Ethan. We have Xena. Third character, Maddie. Spelled with two Ts. And Maddie is Xena's cousin. So Ethan is cousins with Xena. And Xena is cousins with Maddie. I think everybody was just cousins back then. I'm not sure. It's a small town. Who knows? But she is younger than Xena. And she just lights Ethan's heart on fire. She is hired to take care of Xena uh, during this like bout of sickness of hers. I think she's been working with them for like a year. And one of the biggest reasons that he falls for her is that he tells her things and she listens. I'm going to read another little excerpt right here. On page 33, it says, She, talking about Maddie, has an eye to see and an ear to hear. He could show her the thing, he could show her things and tell her things and taste the bliss of feeling that all he imparted left long reverberations and echoes that he could wake at will. So that is a lot different than how he talks about his wife, as you'll see. But I can totally, I can totally see where Ethan is coming from. You know, you just want, you want to be able to tell your significant other about your passions and have them listen and have it be both ways, you know? So, anyway, the, the question of the book, the whole, like, uh, conflict of the book is, what is Ethan going to do? Is he going to stay with his wife, who doesn't like him? and who he doesn't love anymore? Or is he going to abandon his sick wife and run off with his wife's cousin to who knows where and do who knows what because he loves her? Loves her. I don't know. Is it love? I don't know. Is it lust? I don't know. <laughs> but the, the, those are kind of like what his two questions are. And to find out what happens, this is kind of where like the, the, the spoiler list summary ends but i think that you should read it i will give this book a seal of my approval approval i said approval but i did enjoy this book i'd recommend it i actually read this for the first time my junior year of high school i don't even know how long ago that was maybe six i just made that up maybe it was five i don't know and i remembered liking it but not really remembering what it was like you know i don't feel like i remember a whole lot of the books that I read in high school just because I don't know it's kind of weird it's like can I remember anything from before my mission I don't know anyway uh and I remember liking it but didn't remember a whole lot of it so I put it on my like to be read shelf I have like a little bookshelf with all these books that I'm gonna read in the future so Miss Ferguson my 11th grade English teacher if you're listening to this too 
just know that a student of yours that you taught, maybe five, six, who knows how many years ago, just reread one of the books that you assigned. Tell me that that makes you proud. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I really, I really do think that you could read this book in one sitting if you wanted to. It's a good story. It makes you think about what you would do in that situation. And really, above all, it teaches you what not to do in your relationships with those that you love. Because it's just like... Bro, I don't know. It's just so sticky and weird. And just, like, communicate with your wife. But this book has, in fact, stayed relevant. Relevant enough for a 22-year-old guy to be talking about it. A hundred years... A <laughs> hundred and eleven years later. So it might be relevant enough for you to read, I think. So, if you want to put me on pause now, go back, read it in a couple hours... I don't know, a couple. That might be a little fast. But read it in a day. Come back when you're done so that we can chat more about the ending and what I think about it. But, yeah. Okay, this is your, like, spoiler warning. So the rest of the story goes like this. Resentment just, like, builds and builds on both sides from Xena and from Ethan. And we are obviously following Ethan's... Um... Ethan's flashback. There's the word. So we're in his head more than Xena's, but he does make note, and so does she verbally, that Ethan remembers, uh, of how home-like, like this is just an example, how home-like his house feels when Xena's gone, and just like little details like that. He just like hates her presence and doesn't like being around her. And he feels like Maddie is just a breath of fresh air every time that she's, that he's around her. And Xena starts noticing how much time he starts spending with Maddie and the effort that he puts into his appearance when she's around. For example, he starts shaving every day for Maddie, and Xena makes a remark about this. <laughs> when, when Ethan doesn't think that she's going to notice, she notices, and it's just so awkward. And one day, the whole span of this book, I feel like, takes place over like three days. It might be more. It just feels super fast. But Xena goes to a doctor one day, and in that day that she's gone, Ethan and Maddie are alone together. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> and Ethan's basically smitten Maddie too. They, like, just hate on Xena together. They break a pickle dish. The cat is judging them. And Xena comes back and is like, hey, doctor says I need a real... She doesn't say nurse, but she's like, I need a real girl to take care of me, not this, like, <laughs> not this random cousin that I have to do chores around the house for me. I need, like, real care. And Ethan is like, no, don't make her leave. And Xena puts her foot down, partly because I think she senses the feelings that are going on between Maddie and Ethan. So she's like, no, Maddie has got to go. She... Like, a trip is arranged for Maddie to leave and for him to pick up a new girl from the train station. And Ethan is taking her there, and he takes, like, a scenic route to get there. So that they can pass by the spot where they... I think it was, like, the first picnic that they had with friends. And Maddie, like, professes her love. Not in, like, a weird, like, sappy way. I'm making this sound like a, like a more dramatic version of Romeo and Juliet, if that's possible. But... She professes her love, and she's like, I have nowhere to go. It would just be better that I die. And, uh, yeah. 
they pass by the picnic place and they get to like this hill. Remember, it's winter and there's, um, they have a sled. So Ethan's like, Hey, I'm feeling a little crazy. You want to go down this hill on a sled together as like our last sweet memory here. And they go sledding down the hill. The hill has trees on it. And Ethan is like expertly maneuvering between the two trees and they don't crash. And as they're walking back up, um, or once they get to the top, I can't remember. But Maddie says, how about instead of dodging the trees, let's try to hit that big one at the bottom as fast as we can so that like neither of us have to live like this. Like it would just be better that we die together than to live like this. And the reader, at least me, I was like, Ethan, you're not doing either of the options. It was like pick between your wife or your wife's cousin and kill yourself wasn't in the cards. But he's like, sweetie, that is a great idea. Let's do it. So right before they go down the hill, he's like, she was right. This is an exact quote. She said, he says, she was right. This was better than partying. <laughs> it's like, bro. So they go down. Ethan, I guess, is just an expert at this sled. And right before they hit that big tree, they're flying down that tree, down that hill. And right before they hit that tree, he, in like his mind's eye, sees his wife's wife's face pop up. And he tries to dodge the tree at the last second. It's too late. So he like, I don't know. They didn't not hit the tree, but they also didn't die. Ethan like wakes up and he thinks he hears like this like injured bird next to him, just like making noises. Um, and it's Maddie. She's on the ground and she's paralyzed. And now Ethan walks with a permanent limp. <laughs> what makes the book so bad is that now, well, Zena took Maddie home. I don't know why she did that. Maybe it's just to torture Ethan. Or maybe it is because she had nowhere to go. But the end of the book, the last chapter just describes how Maddie and Zena are now essentially the same. It even says that Maddie now has like gray hair. This is like, a, this is now the flashback has ended and they're back in the present. And um, it says that Maddie now has gray hair and she's still paralyzed from the neck down. I believe, and she's become sour. And now there are essentially like two, two Xenas. Ethan, my poor, my poor man, instead of getting rid of the problem that he was facing, either of them, he just doubled his problems. I think maybe it's because he was trying to run away from it. I actually have a quote written. It says, his dread, this is on page 60, if you're wondering. <laughs> His dread was so strong that, manlike, he sought to postpone certainty. So maybe it's because he was just, like, trying to postpone so hard that, like, he just ended up doubling his problems instead of resolving any of them. So, and, yeah. Endings of books are important. I think that they, they need to be powerful. This one is, I think. It, it brings in, well, throughout the book, you'll see. I'll talk about this a little more in, like, a second. There's this theme of, like, graveyards. They, he often, like, looks out into the graveyards. Apparently, there have been many generations of Frome that live in Starkfield. But 
this now is a quote to end the book. This is the end of the book. It's from Mrs. Hale. She was also, she was always so nice to Ethan. Like in the flashback, she was so nice. She goes, the way they are now, they meaning that strange <laughs> set of three that live in the house. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how else it could have worked out. Cause I don't, cause they live, they all live together. Ethan doesn't love Xena. He loved Maddie. Maddie now lives in his house, but is paralyzed. He walks with a limp. He provides for both of them. It's just so odd. Anyway, Mrs. Hale says, the way they are now, I don't see there's much difference between the Fromes up on the farm and the Fromes down in the graveyard, except that they're, (laughs) except that down there, they're all quiet. So, ah, horrible. That's the last paragraph. That's in the last paragraph of the book. And this graveyard, like, motif, is that the right word? I think it is. Uh, It's interesting that this graveyard, like, motif plays such a big role in the book. Like, he'll see, he'll look out and see the gravestones with Frome on them. And he feels like he's condemned to live and die in Starkfield because they all did. All the people that um, came before him. And a part of you wants to, like wants him to break the cycle, but he just doesn't. Maybe he is condemned to be that way. And there's even one in particular that says that, and this ancestor is named Ethan Frome as well. Maybe his great pap-pap was named Ethan as well. But it says that Ethan had endurance with his wife and lived peacefully together for 50 years on their gravestone. And even Ethan in that moment is like, how ironic that that is not me. And the parts that freaked me out most about the story was, I'm going to share a couple, a couple more quotes right here. It says, um, he felt that, and this is after they've been married for seven years. He says, he felt as if he had never known what his wife looked like. And then later, like 50 pages later, it says, it was the first scene of open anger the couple in their sad seven years together wait let me reread that because i don't think that made sense it was page 112 again if you're wondering it was the first scene of open anger between the couple in their sad seven years together like what how do you not argue or be angry with each other one time in seven years is that normal i don't think so This next one is definitely not normal. He says, four pages later, page 116, he says, he did not remember ever having heard her laugh before, talking about Xena. What? How are you not going to be angry or laugh once in seven years with your significant other? Like, I don't know. My future wife's going to need to get ready for both of those, probably. Right? I don't know. That's crazy. But I think the answer to that also is just in the kind of person that Ethan is. He's very, like, internal. Like, he says, there's another quote. He says, he's talking to Maddie. This is right before the big smash up. He says, you can't go, Matt. Calls her Matt. (sighs) Yeah, anyway. You can't go, Matt. I won't let you. She's always had her way. She, Zena. She's always had her way, but I mean to have mine now. 
So may- maybe their marriage was just like him, like wordlessly doing all of what his wife slash wife cousin told him to do instead of like communicating. Yeah, it's just so bad. So much, so much could be avoided with good communication. Am I right? Am I right, you guys? Okay, right before I end, I'm almost done talking, I promise. Oh my gosh, I've been talking for 32 minutes. <laughs> I'm like shocked right now. Wait, what? You see, once I get a chatting, the chatting don't want to stop. So maybe I redact that 15 minute thing that I thought about just a little bit ago. Because ain't no way that I'm like, this book was literally 180 pages long. There's no way that I'm going to talk about any book any less. That's crazy. Anyway, two vocab words for you before I depart. Number one, foist. Adjective. It means to impose an unwelcome or unnecessary person or thing on. Used in the sentence of the book, he says, He saw in her expedition to Bettsbridge only a plot hatched between herself and her Pierce relations to foist on him the cost of a servant. So I think that's when she was going, I think Bettsbridge is the place that she went to, to the doctor, because they don't have one in their little small Starkfield town. And um, I don't know exactly who her pierced relations are, but they were trying to impose on him the cost of a servant that he can't afford. It's not just his wife's cousin that's doing this. It's like a, it's like a trained lady. So she was going to foist that cost on him. Vocab word number two, and if, if I'm pronouncing these wrong, say la vie. Number two, sorrel, S-O-R-R-E-L, noun, a light reddish brown colored horse. His one desire now was to postpone the moment of turning the sorrel to the flats. I think the flats was the place where he was going to drop off Maddie uh, and pick up the new girl. So he was just trying to find ways to postpone that moment of turning that sorrel to the flats. So they attempted a suicide together. That's it, I think, for this. This, my first podcast. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm going to take this little audio recording and see if I can't get this up on some platform soon. I don't know. I'm not doing this for money, but like... (laughs) If you know, like, the owner of Goodreads and the owner of Goodreads, like, wants a paid promotion or, if you know, like, Barnes & Noble or an author that wants me to read their book and talk about their book, just let me know. Should I make a Patreon? Or is that getting a little too ahead of myself? I don't know. But overall, this was a good book. Even though, like, I say good book, even though it was, like, totally bleak and totally depressing not a happy ending. So if that's what you're looking for in a book, don't read this book. But the story is compelling. And I like that. It teaches you, I think, what your marriage should not look like. Some pitfalls to avoid. Communicate with your significant other. Make each other laugh. Argue a little bit. Feel some emotion. Don't just like resent them behind their back. Don't resent them to their face either. Like, flee from bitterness. Do everything you can to, like, not fall out of love, I think, is what this is trying to say. Also, don't run away from making choices or make make bad choices. I think that 
him choosing to commit suicide at the end there was shouldn't have been in the cards but that's what he tried to do and he ended up with a lot of a lot of repercussions we can't choose the consequences of our actions so keep that in mind as well i'm just gonna end this this is a wrap on my first podcast if um we want to make this a little bit of a book club thing uh the next book that i'm reading is called the common path to uncommon success by john lee dumas so you can see totally different genre i think this next one is like a self-help like i don't even know i honestly don't even know i'll let you know more about it when i finish so thanks for listening merry christmas happy holidays happy new year um love you all (laughs) we'll see how this goes if you have anything to say about this podcast any tweaks i should make let me know i'll be doing this for the next year